0: And that lets you save the- True form life. Green look-up.
1: Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind oh. and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Taddea. All right, thank you so much for being here on this edition of the show. I can't thank you enough for being here and being part of our community and making this show what it is. Now, today I have Vision Lakiani coming on. And I got to tell you, I've been waiting for weeks, or maybe months, (laughs) for this interview to come. I've had his book for a while, and I honestly haven't been able to put it down. And I have all these questions I I couldn't wait to ask him. So let me get into that in a moment. I just want to mention MAK Mystic Expressions. This is a Himalayan salt company that specializes in pink salt. Now, personally, I feel that this is a small transition we can all make from moving from white refined salt to pink himalayan salt so if you head over to makmystic.com they have a bunch of information materials products such as heat lamps salt grinders salt shakers that all can help improve your life so that's makmystic.com all right so as i was saying we have vision lakiani coming on he's the founder of mind valley he's Basically, the boss of about 200 employees, and he talks about how he built his company from nothing. Then we also get into, well, his subtitle is 10 Laws to Enhance Happiness, Mindfulness, and Influence. So we talk about being grateful meditation we have setting goals the proper way which is something i've never heard of so i can't wait to share this with you so sit back and enjoy we got all that coming up
0: this is exploring mind and body naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host drew tadia
1: And thanks so much for being with us and joining us today on exploring mind and body.
0: I'm delighted to be here.
1: So today we're going to be talking about the code of the extra, extraordinary mind. Extraordinary. Um, this is your—is this your only book or, or newest book? First book. This, this is my first book, and it's fantastic. I, you know, I have to tell you that I've been enjoying it so much. And now I, I picked it up. And I went through it from cover to cover, then I went back and and I went back through some Ah. certain chapters that I really enjoyed closer to the end, like we're going to call it Unmessable With for radio reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was a really, really interesting subject. I really enjoyed that and talking about self-worth. That's something that we're going to go over today. Um, We're going to talk about gratitude a bit. And just being grateful. And then setting goals. I really liked your perspective on setting goals. I believe in goals myself. And to be honest with you, I haven't seen this perspective of how you go about it. So I'm so excited to have you with us. So thanks again for being here with us.
0: Absolutely, Drew.
1: Vision, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself before we get into any details so our listeners have a better chance to resonate with you?
0: Well, I guess, I, I guess this is the main thing. So I, I graduated from the University of Michigan in 1999, right? And I had these big dreams of going out there, changing the world, and doing all that other stuff that uh, people in my generation dream of doing. And pretty soon I realized that that wasn't the real world. And in about 2002, I was two years into graduation, and I found myself in San Francisco. And my timing, in a word, Sucked. The dot-com bubble had burst. Um, I tried to start a company, uh, a small little startup, lost all my savings. So I was broke. I was completely broke with a degree in computer engineering. I was renting a couch from a Berkeley college student. Not even an apartment, but a couch. Like that couch behind me, worse than that. That that at least is leather. I I was renting a two-seater couch. So I was sending my job out to every company I could find on Craigslist. I was just spamming companies to try to get a job. And finally, I did get a job, um, and it was a dialing-for-dollars job. So no base salary, because in that particular month, April 2000, 2001, 14,000 people lost their jobs in San Francisco. There were pink-slip parties. So companies were not hiring. There was no base salary. So um, I got a job where if I didn't close a sale, I did not get paid. And I had to close attorneys in Texas. I, me, a kid born in Malaysia with my with my... Odd accent in my unpronounceable name, Vision Lacchiani, had to close attorneys on Texas on software, software for case management. First thing that happened is I had to change my name, so I became Vincent Lacchiani. I had to pretend to be Italian, so at least it wasn't such a culture shock for Texas. And the next thing that happened is I fell into misery because I couldn't close the sale. And I, you know, I, I was barely earning a living, but this was the only break I had. So I was desperate. And I can't remember what happened, but I got, on, I got online. Google was, was an early um, search engine then, and I started searching for hope. I, maybe I searched for success. Maybe I searched for how to, how to make money. Maybe I searched for why does life suck balls so badly. <laughs> and, and what happened was I found a class on meditation. So I flew to LA to take this class. I was the only person there. So a two-day class, the instructor, who looked kind of disappointed that only one person showed up, just spent time with me, and I graduated in one day. I went back to San Francisco, and I immediately started applying some of these ideas at work. And that's when weird things started happening. For example, one of the ideas I learned was using the power of intuition to make decisions. Within a week, I doubled my sales quota. And this fascinated me. I started using more techniques. I learned empathy techniques, intention techniques, goal-setting techniques. I started reading more books. I started diving and taking more seminars, and I started growing and growing and growing. I came back from that class May 2001. Four months later, I had been successfully promoted three times back to back. I was getting a promotion every month in that company. I went from 26 years old and fresh into the company. By September, I was made director of sales. And on September 11, 2000, um, sorry, this was 2000. My bad, I got the timing mixed up. It was 2002. September 11, 2002, they shipped me to New York on the anniversary of September 11 to start the company's New York office. So that was a big honor. I was 26 years old and because of what I had learned, I was able to succeed so powerfully. I continued at that job. I continued getting better. I continued not just studying these practices, but I started teaching meditation at nights. And in the daytime, I would do my job. And I got so good at my job, I ended up running two roles within the company. I was their business development manager and I was director of their New York office. I was able to accomplish two jobs because my mind was operating at a whole different level. Now, after 18 months of doing that, I decided to quit. Start my own company. And I thought, what is the biggest thing I could contribute to the world? And the answer that I got was meditation, personal growth. Let's teach people how to use these faculties of mind, of, of thinking, of, of our inner beings that our schooling system has so fi- miserably failed to teach us. That's how Mind Valley started. I built up Mind Valley into a 200 person company. And now, 10 years later, I got a book.
1: <laughs> and here we are now. So, are you meditating on a regular basis now?
0: Yes. Um, not only do I meditate on a regular basis, I study with many leading experts. Uh, once a year or so, I go into these biohacking experiments. I have my brain hooked up to machines, work with scientists, study my brainwaves, experiment with different techniques. I publish uh, many of the world's top instructors in spirituality and meditation. I have one of the world's top five Meditation apps, Omvara, which has been highest crossing app in thirty plus countries. I've invented, pioneered my own forms of meditation, and I'm probably right now one of the biggest promoters of this art form um, globally.
1: So that's something I wanted to get into because I, it was an incredible story how you were talking about this being hooked up to these machines, and I think it was biofeedback was in there, was involved, and it really was narrowed down to forgiveness. That was the biggest part that i took away from this story can you talk about what it was like to sit through i think was it seven days that you sat through uh
0: six six days six or seven days something like that
1: okay and then well i guess well tell, tell us about that that was for, it was you guys focused on forgiveness there's a, a small group of you right and the biggest results you found was when you began to forgive your you know whatever you're holding back all right so stay with us here when we come back we're going to talk about vision's incredible experience on how he meditated around forgiveness and how it absolutely changed his life and how it could change your life as well Alright, so I want to tell you about the Silver Fern Aesthetic and Vein Clinic. Now they specialize in a few areas. One is skincare. They'll tell you the difference between professional skincare and over-the-counter skincare. This is something that they specialize in as well as offering education to their customers and clients. Mineral makeup is one of their non-toxic type of products. They have no talc, perfume, dyes, alcohol, or anything else that may clog your pores. They also specialize in varicose and spider veins. I actually had the opportunity to stop in there and they helped me better understand who's more likely to get them, how to treat them, and even how to prevent them. And then they also offer detoxing products and services such as their Universal Contour Wrap. They offer a clay solution. This gets rid of toxins, increases your energy levels, and much more. If you want more details, visit their Facebook page at Silverfern Aesthetic and Vein Clinic. They're also offering free consultations from Dr. Jackson and their other skincare professionals. You can find them in Didsbury across from the train station, or you can give them a call at 403 335
0: 8829. Right, so this this was in the chapter in the book with a title that we cannot say on broadcast radio. Uh, so we're just going to use the title Unmessable, Unmessable, right? But the real title, oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> but if you buy the book, you'll see what we are talking about. So the title of this chapter is called Be Unmessable, and it's about putting yourself in states of mind where you're immune to criticism, but you're also immune to praise because as soon as you give someone the ability to shape your thoughts, your your feelings around your feelings about yourself with their words, whether it's criticism or praise, you're giving up your own personal power. So unmessable is about being immune to criticism, being immune to praise, but also being immune to past anger, being immune to to things that happened in the past where you're upset with people or upset with yourself. And that's where forgiveness comes in. So it's really a cleansing. So I was at a biohacking experiment organized by Dave Asprey, the, the world's foremost biohacker, and some scientists um, who had developed this whole new way of like studying the human brain. And what they had done, what the scientists had done was he had studied monks who had spent 20 to 40 years in meditation, studied their brain, and then developed the technologies to reverse engineer these brainwaves in people. The program is called 40 Years of Zen, because in seven days, you can get trained, to develop the brainwaves of a monk who has been in meditation for forty years. Now, that of course is an edge claim, right? Maybe one percent of people who take it will get there, but a good chunk of people who take it get true, get to a level where in seven days a level where they would have spent years of meditation to get that good. I know because I was teaching meditation for five years, and I can attest to this. And then the best thing is you can see the data. You can see how your brainwaves change. You can see how alpha amplitudes, brain resonance. And so this was about improving what is called alpha wave production and alpha wave resonance. These are related with creativity, feelings of calmness, intuition, empathy. And so we were there to learn these skills. Now, what the program didn't tell you is that the scientists had already figured out how to get people to boost their alpha waves. And it turned out the most effective way was not prayer was not chanting, was not mantra, was not focusing on your breath, was not doing a rain dance. It was forgiveness. It was thinking back to people who hurt you and then forgiving them and forgiving them to such a degree that at the end of it, you could sit down across the table from them, have a cup of coffee with them and not feel perturbed. It doesn't mean you pardon them. Those are two different things because someone um, who steals from your, your company or who commits a crime, they you know, they 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 should be justice should be served. But it doesn't mean that you get angry every time you see them. And as we did this exercise, it was so cleansing. Like I came out of it and and you know, I had just gone through a terrible situation in my life where one of my guys I'd hired to run my office in Malaysia, he was a Malaysian um operations guy. Um, let's just call him Mr. N. Uh, what Mr. N had done is I found out that he had been skimming company, uh, money from the company. He had set up all of these fake um, um, air conditioner repair um, services and cleaning services, all of which he owned. And he was, as director of operations, paying his own companies hundreds of thousands of dollars to render services to my company. And when he finally got caught, he turned into this huge a-hole, threatened me, threatened my family. Uh, said that, you know, he was going to have gangsters follow me and beat me up, just absolute crap like that. And I needed, and I was so disappointed. I was so hurt. I was going through so much anger. I needed to forgive this guy. And sure enough, three months later, this opportunity came up. And what was weird is I saved him for last. I spent hours forgiving everyone in my life, you know, um, my my you even forgive your kids because it, you you forgive every slight thing i forgive my son for you know certain nights when he would keep me awake and i felt upset about that i forgive my my spouse my mom my dad my business partner my friends forgive myself all of us it's amazing how much um um forgiveness we have to do and often these are minor things you can forgive the uber driver who who drove you to work and took a wrong turn and delivered you slight a couple of minutes late but I saved this guy, Mr. N, for last. Now, the funny thing was, after I forgave him, because forgiveness is a muscle. You need to work it up. After I forgave him, I heard a beep in the machines, and I opened my eyes, and I'd scored my highest ever alpha wave spike. That was the record, and it was amazing to see. And since coming out of that, I felt unmessable. because, sure, a lot of other shit has happened in my life um, as an entrepreneur. you got to deal with that on a on a monthly basis but the thing is i feel calm it it doesn't perturb me that was one of the greatest lessons that i learned in my life and i share that lesson in my book and i share the specific forgiveness exercises and philosophies and ideas on how to be in this state that's called being unmessable
1: you know one of one of you know i was inspired i do some meditation myself and i was inspired to do go through some forgiveness meditations myself and you know, I think I would say I would do, did the same thing. I feel like the, the most wronged or the most hurt I was in my life, you save them for last. But what I noticed throughout the day, the days that I would I set this seven days up, I was going to do my own little experiment, was that the more you forgive, at least for me, the more it opened up to the more people and things I, I I didn't realize that I was holding on to. So it was more the more you forgave, the more you needed to forgive. You know what I mean? Right. Did you did you experience something similar?
0: Well, the more you forgive, the more – it's not like you needed to forgive. The more you want to forgive because the feeling is so damn good.
1: Right. And it's you hard know? to explain that feeling, isn't it? When you do one person, I've, I said I'm going to pick one person, the one that comes into my mind the most. And I couldn't wait for the next day to come up and say, right. who's the next person I get to do this with?
0: Right, right. And and because it feels good. Now there've been studies on this. Um, I can't remember the scientist's name. It's a it's a it's a Chinese scientist, but Xiao uh, Xiao something. It's in the book. But she did a study, and what she found is that forgiveness helps improve enju- and endurance. So you know, people who are asked to march up and down a hill, after, bef- after they'd done a forgiveness exercise, they observed that the climb and the march was less strenuous. People doing vertical jumps could jump higher vertically. After practicing forgiveness, forgiveness has been related even to things such as helping heal back pain, helping improve um, circulation. We don't know why, but there's a healing quality about forgiveness.
1: True form life. All right, so we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Vision's going to talk about feeling grateful and being in a state of gratitude and how that can improve your life. So stay with us. We'll be right back on Exploring Mind and Body. True form life. All right, so I just want to take a moment to tell you about the tire shop here in Olds. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not really a car person. I wouldn't be the first to fix, well, anything. <laughs> so that's why I trust some a company like the tire shop. When I bring my car in there, I always know that it's going to get quality service. I really love the customer service. It's, it's bar none. They treat you like family, and this is a family-run business for 40 years. So they're definitely doing something right And they're not just a tire company, so they do oil, brakes, tune-ups, your battery, wheel alignment. They do all kinds of different things to service your car. And now that winter's on the way, it's definitely a good time to get your car checked out, have someone that you trust and and believe in, and to support the community as well as a local tire shop. You can reach them at 403-403. 5567660. Or if you want to stop in, they're at 5903, Imperial Way, right behind Napa.).: Well, let's get into uh, gratitude a bit, because much like meditation exercises, we can also go through gratitude exercises to right. improve our lives as well. I know you have different exercises. You have daily exercises, you have journaling. Talk about the importance of living in gratitude.
0: Absolutely, gratitude is one of the the has one of the highest correlations to well being of every other human characteristic. So um, studies now show gratitude imp- in lessens anxiety, lessens stress, makes you happier, makes you more connected to people, makes you creates more forgive forgiving attitudes. Uh, can be used to improve headaches, to improve to, re- to remove back pain. It is unbelievable. But the beautiful thing about gratitude is it only takes. 3 minutes a day possibly less the reason we don't hear about gratitude and we hear about things such as Prozac is because the pharmaceutical lobby massive the gratitude lobby not so big <laughs> and so there are these huge vested interests in pushing us the useless drugs when a lot of these things we can create in our own mind Gratitude is one of those things, and it's not just a placebo effect. Gratitude just actually works. Now, the idea is really simple. The idea is, so how I practice gratitude and how I teach people to do it is in your morning meditation, you simply think of three things in your, actually, I I do it this way. I think of five things in my personal life that I'm grateful for. Now, here's the key, right? You don't just rattle off a list. I don't say, oh, I'm grateful that I spent breakfast uh, with my baby girl, uh, my two-year-old baby girl. I'm so grateful that my cup of coffee this morning was so delicious. I'm so grateful that last night's episode of Game of Thrones was so freaking exciting. I live in an age where I can watch it on demand on HBO. No, you feel it. So I genuinely feel excitement over my cup of coffee. I genuinely feel excitement over that last episode of Game of Thrones, um, and that's what you do. So I do it for five things in my personal life. And it's the most ridiculously stupid things. If you heard me, you'd think, wow, that guy, vision he's so freaking ordinary. But on, on, honestly, it's those ordinary things that I'm sometimes so grateful for. The fact that I have my favorite pillow to lie on when I'm watching television. I mean, this morning, I was grateful that I got to have a mock lightsaber fight with my son the previous night, you know. <laughs> but now you go on to five things that you're grateful for at work. And here I'm grateful for certain people at work who had a phenomenal idea for a good sales day, for a good revenue day, for a good uh, app that we launched that the public really loved. But now, and here's the thing people forget, you think of five things that you're grateful for about yourself. Now you're combining a little bit of what is called self-love with the idea of gratitude. And it's amazing how many people forget this idea. So um, here you talk about why you're grateful for your body, for your, I don't know, your toes, for the fact that you have a good jump shot, for the fact that you're such a great father or mother or um, secretary or coder or designer, for the fact that you, you, you have great color um, um, combination when, when you dress. But it's so important to express gratitude to ourselves. Now, when you start doing this, not only does it make you happier, and this has been empirically proven When you practice gratitude, within 30 days, if you practice it for 30 days straight, at the end of the month, you can see almost as much as a 25% boost in happiness. But the weird thing is, even if you then stop, that happiness boost can continue up to even nine months later. And again, science doesn't really know why. Happiness is still a mystery. It's a weird human state. But it's what we crave and gratitude is the surest spot to get there. So, so many people spend all of this time trying to figure out how do I get that next raise in my salary? How do I get 25% more sex or 25% more money or 25% better car? When really you can boost your happiness by 25% in 30 days in just three minutes a day of a gratitude exercise.
1: So, would you recommend someone would do this in a meditation state or is this someone that picks up a a journal and is writing this down?
0: Now, it doesn't matter. I've yet to come across any studies that say gratitude works when you are in a beta waking state or alpha meditation state. All we know is it works. Um, So you can do this anytime. You can do it while journaling. Many of the studies on gratitude were were based on journaling. You can do it while journaling. I do it in my mind. Uh, First thing I do every morning
1: when I wake up. Just a quick word about the new organic spa and salon in Penhold, which is 10 minutes south of Red Deer. They strive for the best organic, environmentally friendly, and health-conscious alternatives. They specialize in organic color and spa treatments, therapeutic massage, as well as holistic alternatives like cranial sacral therapy. They also recycle 85 to 95% of the waste through a company called Green Circle Salons. Hair is used for oil spill cleanups, making mats, and all the metal is used to make asphalt, just to name a few. They sell a wide range of organic hair and beauty lines like Eminence Organics, Kevin Murphy, Intelligent Nutrients, and Jane Iredell Makeup. Check them out at OrganicOasisSpa.ca. That's OrganicOasisSpa.ca. Let's talk about giving. It has a lot to do with gratitude, I think. One of the quotes I pulled out here that just jumped out at me, it said, Be merciless with your kindness. So tell me a bit about why giving is such an important part of happiness, our lives, in your book.
0: Well, this, this is another thing that we cannot really explain, right? But human beings get happier when they give. And we don't know why. I don't know why we're biologically wired to see little spurts in happiness when we contribute to our species. But maybe, maybe that's that's what that's how we evolved. You see, one of the unique things about human beings is that, you know, look at your fingers. You do not have claws. You do not have sharp teeth. As we evolved from apes and trees down to um, Homo sapiens in a savannah, one of the things that we had to do to survive was to congregate into a group. And so human beings became a, a, a type of animal that had to stay together in a group. Now, to survive in a group, what you got to do is reward behavior that keeps the group together. And maybe that's why we are biologically wired to generate spurts of happiness and fulfillment when we are giving to our group. And our group could be our family, it could be our company, it could be our community. But it's, it's why, you know, in a, in a famous Harvard study called the Very Happy People Study by Ed Diener, the number one correlation with happiness is not warm weather or great clothes or lots and lots and lots of sex. It's the strength of your human connections. And giving is one of the surest ways to improve those human connections. So, I, again, we seem to be biologically hardwired to, to feel our best, to, to thrive when we give. And the Dalai Lama once said this. He says, you want to be happy? make other people happy. And so in my book, I say, be merciless with your kindness because it's one of the surest things you can do to make yourself happy, even if you approach it purely from a selfish perspective. So I incorporate giving in my life. Um, through my company, I only work on businesses that are giving to the world. I think it in this day and age, I, and I'm an open advocate of encouraging people to start businesses, work on projects, that are pushing the human race forward. I think that's what separates an entrepreneur from business people. Business people do it for the bucks. Entrepreneurs do it to push the human race forward. That is giving at at its maximum level. But at the same time, I try to give through um, the workspace, for example. So in my workspace, um, we invest a lot of money and and time ensuring that our employees are happy. Uh, One of the things we do is uh, an annual event called Love Week. You know, every Valentine's Day, and you can Google this. Love Week, Mind Valley. Every Valentine's Day, we have our entire company engaged in a one-week festival of giving. Everyone draws a name out of a hat. You paired up with a different person in the company. You become their secret angel, and for one whole week, you work in secret to give gifts to another person you've been assigned to, while well, there's someone assigned to you. So you show up to work, and you know someone is like prepared a fresh cup of orange juice for you or or bought you flowers or left a little note of appreciation on your desk. It's this massive dose of giving. But here's the crazy thing, right? So every year when we do Love Week, people get all of these gifts, these presents. You know, on average, people get like three, four, 500 bucks worth of presents on that week. But every time you ask people, what did you love most about Love Week? Invariably, 95% of the answers are, I enjoyed the giving. People enjoy the giving more than the receiving, and I've never been able to figure out why, but I think it goes back to that biological drive that we have to contribute to our community.
1: I just want to go slightly off track here just for a second, maybe for my own personal reasons, but tell me why it's important for you to, to run your business in that manner and why it seems like the majority of businesses, you know, it's just, it, the corporate is making money, not really caring a whole lot about employees, and it's all about margins.
0: Well, it, it is about margins. Margins are very important. I wish I could, I could grow the margins in our company better. But the thing is, I don't think I would be fulfilled if I was working in a job that was taking away from the world. And I think if you look at the current generation, the millennials, I, I miss being a millennial by four years, right? But I kind of have some millennial attitudes. But if you look at the millennial generation, they're the most giving, the most socially conscious generation on our planet. And um, um, it could be the time and era that we are born in. They are born in one of the safest eras of human history, you know, Um, so they can afford to think about the environment in this way. But think about companies like Coke. I think it is insane that a company like Coke exists and that it is a blue chip company and someone like Warren Buffett invests in it. Coke is poison. But they spend billions of dollars pushing people to believe that this poison that they label as happiness in the red can is somehow healthy. It's nothing more than high fructose corn syrup. And it's the reason why in so many countries, there are rising rates of obesity. But now look at the entrepreneurs today and the choices they are making when they are starting um, food and drink companies. It's never about pushing sugary beverages with bullshit slogans such as the real thing or happiness in a red can. It's about, it's about juices. It's about uh, organic. It's about, it's about um, healthy alternatives to the crap that's out there in our grocery stores. And that's what I like about today's entrepreneurs. Many of them are not doing it just for the dollars. They're doing it because genuinely they see a need they want to meat in the world, and and, and they want to push the human race forward. I was talking to Tom Bilyeu, who started Quest Nutrition and took it to a billion dollars, and I asked him, Tom, what, what made you do it? And he says, you know, in my family, there was a history of obesity. My father was obese, my relatives was obese, I was obese, and I looked at all the crap in the marketplace out there, and I decided, I want to start a food company, but I want to do it to end obesity, and that's his dream. And people like Tom Bilyeu from from Quest Nutrition are the modern entrepreneurs. And so I think the world has evolved in a dramatic way. I believe companies like Coca-Cola need to die out. We need to let them die. If you work for one of these companies, please quit and go join (laughs) Quest Nutrition because you aren't contributing to humanity. You're taking away from a future a better future for our kids, where things such as obesity are not so commonplace. And the same applies if you're working in fossil fuels rather than alternative energy. The same applies if you're working for companies which are peddling junk food or bullshit snacks that is promoted as, as breakfast, such as Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Can you guess what is it? By the way, random fact, can you guess what is the number one ingredient, uh, what is the number two ingredient in Kellogg's Frosted Flakes?
1: I would guess sugar or high fructose corn No,
0: no, 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 no. See, here's the crazy thing. Sugar is the number one ingredient. (laughs) Shoot. The number two (laughs) ingredient is corn. Um, I I just learned that and I thought it was fascinating. So you see, this is why it's so important for us to start companies that are doing good for the world. Because look, all of us have a biological drive for our, our seed to survive, our kids to survive. But we cannot on one hand. Be running around trying to reproduce and, and, and create the next generation while at the same time handing them a planet Earth that is facing global warming, like, you know, um, and, and all the other difficulties that we have on this planet right now. And that's why entrepreneurs and, and, and that's why I started a company that I feel would leave the Earth better off when I die. And all of us should be doing that. There is no freaking excuse
1: let 's get into goals here I, I, I really want to know i want I want you to share your perspective with our audience and I want to know more details about end goals and means goals. Can you explain that to us
0: okay so goal setting uh, as i 've been thought as most of us have been thought, um, I believe is utter bullshit it 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 gets us to fall into a particular trap of what is known as the culture scape so the world today um, is actually a dual world. We don't see it that all of us as human beings live in two different worlds. We live in the physical world. This is a white cup, and it's hard, and it's made of porcelain. But we also live in a world that exists primarily in our heads. And this is the, the world that historian Yuval Hariri calls the cognitive revolution. Okay, so it's the world made up of the, the, the agreed-upon beliefs, rituals, practices of the world around us. It is the world where... That, that isn't real, but it's based on ideas that we have bought into so that we could survive in our complex world today. Ideas such as every man should marry a woman. Ideas such as calories. If you take too much, you grow fat. Ideas that you need to exercise for an hour a, a, a day to be healthy. Ideas that this food is bad, this food is, is, is good. Ideas that you need to work the 9 to 5, you need to save up for retirement, you need to get a college degree. All of these are not absolute truth. They are what we call relative truth and they differ from culture to culture. The problem is we don't get that. So many of us live our lives based on relative truth as if it is absolute. Now, this is what happens with goal setting. We grow up in an imaginary world that isn't necessarily, re- necessarily real, but we set our goals based on this imaginary world and the rules, or as I call them, BRULS. Rules stands for bullshit rules of this imaginary world. So some of these bullshit rules include ideas such as study hard, get good grades, get into college so that you can get a decent job, so that you can slave away and work the nine-to-five, so that you can save up and someday retire. But do these really apply? Are, are these really the rules of the world today? And so the problem with goal setting is that when you are setting goals, you, without realizing it, are setting goals within the context of the culture scape. And many people don't bother to identify if they are, setting, if they are following a rule or a brule. See, the, a fish is the last to see that it's swimming in a substance called water. Likewise, we are swimming in this culture scape that is all around us and infecting our minds with ideas of how the world should be. But true visionaries, true rebels, true people who transform the human species shift out from the culture scape. They set goals based on things that aren't common that society isn't telling them that they need to hit, and that's where means goals and end goals come in. So a means goal is a means to an end. When you set a goal that I want a car, it's a means goal because what do you want from that car? What do you want from that job? What do you want from that hundred k a year salary? What do you want um, from that that woman or man that you want to be dating? And when you keep asking what do I want from this, you start arriving and end goals. And here's the thing, end goals are always about the pure joys of being human. End goals are always about waking up next to someone you love, the beauty of raising kids, of traveling the world. They're about three things. All end goals are either experiences, they're opportunities for growth, or they're opportunities to contribute to the world. Experiences, growth, contribution and all end goals fall over here. And if you keep asking yourself, if you look at any goal you have in your goal, you keep asking yourself, okay, if I, got, if I had this, so what? So what? So what? You always arrive at an end goal. And that's what you want to be focused on. Now, the thing is this. When you focus on the end goals, and you realize that everything else, cast them away. They are rules. You free yourself up to think of new ways, new hacks to move straight for the end goals and to bypass the rules that slow so many people down.
1: So how do we get from, how do you break from the mindset of setting these goals? Like uh, something I deal with on a regular basis is, you know, I need to lose, you know, (laughs) I need to lose 10 pounds. You know, of course that's not an ends goal because it's not the reason why you want right. to lose. But, but that mindset is so difficult. I know you talk about the mind often. How do we break through that mindset and help us better understand that okay. that's not the proper so, way to set goals? Perfect.
0: So, so let's look at what you just said, right? You want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. Now, when you say you want to lose 10 pounds, what are the ideas that come to you immediately? What, what are some? Give me in, in 30 seconds, give me three ideas on how you would lose 10 pounds.
1: On how you would lose 10 pounds?
0: Yeah. So, Obviously, exercise mode. Right?
1: Exercise, nutrition, and I would probably say change your environment to more healthier okay.
0: ideas. Okay, right. Change your environment, exercise, nutrition. Okay, now let me ask you this. Why do you want to lose 10 pounds? Let's well, try to get to the end goal.
1: I want to lose 10 pounds so I could fit better in my bikini.
0: Okay. Why do you want to fit better in your bikini?
1: <laughs> uh, so I look better when I'm walking down the beach.
0: Why do you want to look better walking down the beach? Uh,
1: so people don't think I'm overweight in my Bikini.
0: So why? What? So by the way, are you are you making this stuff up or or are you actually trying to lose ten pounds? Because it's important that it's real to you.
1: Oh no, I'm just making this up.
0: Okay, yeah, then you know what? I don't you wear what? either.
1: Just...
0: <laughs> you could have completely fooled me there. Um, you know, I, I just thought I, I just thought you know you you were the type of guy who said you know men's trunks that's a rule. I'm going out in a full fledged female. I did
1: read your book a few times.
0: Well. Well, well I'll tell you this, right? So most people, most people so that wasn't a real goal, so it would be hard if we did really get to the end goal, right? But most people who want to lose ten pounds, really what they're looking for is a particular feeling. Maybe they want to feel sexier. Maybe they want to feel sexier because they want greater intimacy with their spouse. Maybe they want to 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 get more confident so that they can they they maybe they want to look better so they can have more confidence, so that they can demonstrate that at work. But here's what happens they get so hung up in the means goal that that they forget that end that they really want now maybe why they want to lose those 10 pounds is so they can feel sexier so that they they believe that's going to improve their intimacy with their spouse but what they but if you focus on the means goal what might happen is you lose that 10 pounds and then you don't see that intimacy happen and now you go back into whatever um, a misdirection or whatever sadness or feeling of a failure that you had before So when you keep asking yourself these questions and you get to the end goal, you realize that, okay, it's intimacy that I want. And now you open up so many new arenas, so many new possibilities to improve intimacy that are so much easier than trying to go through the rule of losing 10 pounds. It could be a class on intimacy. It could be a simple technique on tantra. It could be a simple technique on empathy or listening. But what tends to happen is when you identify the end goal, you And that becomes your goal. One of the things I say in my book is that our our mind has this natural ability to intuitively guide us towards our goals. So you got to make sure you have the right goals. When you identify the end goal and it's the right goal, you tend to get guidance to get you there faster than normal, than taking the, the path that you think is the best path. And so Goal setting should always be attuned with intuition and should always be attuned to your end goal because that's the fastest part to where you want to be.
1: And I imagine once you realize that maybe we go to intimacy and then we can find different ways to reach that end goal instead of following that fake idea of losing weight is going to get me that intimacy.
0: Absolutely. That's what happens. All
1: right. Vishnu, I got one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. I just want to talk about measuring points real quick. You had a, an example yourself. I, it just jumped out at me because I, you know, I do push-ups and teach push-ups. Right. And, uh, tell me about measuring points and how that can be useful in our day-to-day life. Okay.
0: So what you're talking about are set points, okay? So the word I use in my book is set points. So many people, when it comes to fitness, they set goals for where they want to be, um, the, the amount they want to bench press and things like that. But one of the things that we often forget is that aging can be slowed down. Aging can be slowed down through a simple process, which which I call set points, non-negotiable set points. So here's what I do. Um, It's not just about having goals for where you want to be health-wise. It's about having maintenance goals for things that you know you lose as you grow older. So I set set points for my body. And my set points are the number of kettlebell swings I can do, the number of push-ups I can do. And what I do is every month or so, I test myself on these set points. So I try to get down and do 55 push-ups. And if I cannot, immediately that means that I have slipped. And what happens is I enact what is called a set point correction procedure. So immediately I put my, my myself into a correction procedure, which means going on a low-carb diet to lose some weight and working out in the gym. Uh, three times as often. And within one week, I get to my push-up bar again, my my push-up set point, which is 55 push-ups. And so I'm always at 55 push-ups. But the beautiful thing is every time I slip, I don't just have to get to 55. I have to get to 56. And so as I've gotten older, I'm actually getting better and better and better at push-ups. I'm now 40. I can do more push-ups. I can bench press more. I have greater endurance and a greater body than I had when I was 25. And so, using set points, you are actually improving your health with age. You're continuously checking your pulse in terms of your fitness, in terms of of things that most people lose as they get older and ensuring that you're getting stronger and stronger and stronger with it. The beautiful thing about set points is most of us, as we get older, we put on a little bit of weight, we we lose some of our, our, our muscle definition, but it doesn't have to be that way. But when it happens, we tend to label it as, oh, you know, it's normal. You know, I'm in my 50s now. But as soon as you do that, you're giving yourself an excuse for it to slip further. But when you have set points You do not let yourself slip. And so as you age, you actually get fitter and stronger.
1: Fantastic. Dishna, I wish I had a a couple hours with you, but I want to respect your time. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for this fantastic book. I've been talking about it nonstop, to be honest with you. So thank you for taking the time to write it and for coming on to give us some more details about it. Alright that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sticking around till the end. I want to thank Vision for coming on, for taking the time to write this fantastic book and for his time for being here and putting this interview together, that that means so much for us and and for you. I hope you enjoyed that as well. I'm telling you, if you get a chance to find this book, you need to read it. I flipped through it so many times. I got it here with me. It looks like I had I got it brand new, and it looks like I've had it for years. So check it out. It's called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. I do want to mention some of our longtime sponsors that made this show possible. We have Health Street here in Olds. They have some of the highest health standards in Canada for their health food products. Check them out at healthstreet.ca. We also have Shoppers Drug Mart. They've been with us from the very beginning. They're very community-orientated. We so much appreciate their support. We have AG Foods in Didsbury as well who are bringing better quality foods to our community in the grocery industry. So check out AG Foods in Didsbury. And I'm going to mention GDK Gravel and Sand here at the end. We have a 10-day fitness challenge I want to tell you about absolutely free. All you do is sign up at trueformlife.com. And I send you, well, we have an automated system that sends you 10 different workouts in 10 days all at home no equipment required body weight only in 20 minutes or less you can get these workouts in and boost yourself into living a healthy lifestyle to take small sustainable steps of course check out trueformlife.com for those details as well and if you do get a chance i would so very much appreciate a ratings and review on itunes that really helps the show move up in rankings it gives me something to look forward to in the morning and i'm always always interested to hear what you have to say about this show so if you get a chance head over to itunes look for exploring mind and body and leave a short review there once again thank you so much for being here that's it that's all i got i'm out of here as always i'm your host drew tadia in health and fitness for a better world